Hey there, listeners, Alicia Marinelli here, the host of the Living Sport Podcast, where we connect you to young professionals and sport business experts from around the world. Today, we travel to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yep, cue that Rocky theme music. And we also spend some time reminiscing about our Barcelona, Spain program, where today's guest served as a program mentor in 2017. Before we begin, I want to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars. Also, follow us on social at I Am Living Sport. Today's episode is all about esports and understanding the landscape of it. We have been hearing from a lot of you in the Living Sport Network that you are interested in a career in this rapidly growing sector of sport, but you just may not know where to start. Well, we went directly to the source, and in this episode, we chat with Pete Powell, Chief of Staff at Nerd Street Gamers, a national network of esports facilities and events dedicated to powering competitive opportunities for gamers. Nerd Street Gamers is a company that is just three years old and is making tremendous waves in the industry. They have so many things happening, and luckily for you, they will be hiring for many positions around the country in the near future. Throughout my career, I have learned that there is no better time to get involved in an organization than when it is starting out. When businesses are just starting up, they are always looking for those extra hands that can help out. If you are that guy or that gal that is there from the beginning and adds value to that company, many times that volunteer work or that internship turns into a full-time job when the company begins to hire more to grow out their staff. Esports may not be just starting, but in the past few years, it has seen tremendous growth and will be on the uprise for the foreseeable future. Let's turn it over to Pete and learn about his role at Nerd Street Gamers. Today, we are talking esports, and if that isn't a hot buzzword these days, I don't know what is. Pete, welcome to the Living Sport Podcast. Thank you, Alicia. Happy to be here. I appreciate it's, you having me. Absolutely. It's always great to see you. And I'm going to start off with a story, if that's okay with you. Of course. Yeah. So our relationship is a good one because it started at a networking event. And it, shows, yeah, it shows the true power of networking. So Newman University has a great sport management program. And one of their classes, you know best because you're an adjunct professor there, adjunct faculty, they have a class that puts on an event called A Night to Remember. Is that correct? Yes. Actually, I think it's called A Night to Connect. A a Night to Connect. You are (laughs) right. Very good. And night is spelled with a K. With a K, yeah. Very, very clever on their part. Yeah. Yes, very good. Because that is their, what do you call that, mascot? Yeah, they're the Newman Knights. Newman Knights, okay. Yes. So their students do a great job putting on this event to enable their students to connect with industry professionals. Well, they contacted me via social, right? They heard about Living Sports somehow, invited me to the event. I've never been there before, never really had a relationship with them, but I I thought, hey, let's go. The year was 2017. Living Sport was just starting up. We'd never even had a program yet. I had to recruit for two programs that we had set in stone. That was our Barcelona 2017 trip and then Milan 2017. So I'm like hitting the streets, right? Like grassroots, yeah. I gotta, you know, attend every event. So I drove down there and at that time, I think I had a full-time job. So I remember leaving work early, heading down to Newman, 
and going to this networking event, a night to connect yeah. with uh, just myself, right? So didn't know anybody there besides the students that had contacted me, which side note is probably the best way to go to a networking event because it kind of forces you to talk to people, right? Absolutely. Sure. So in advance if you can, but yeah, forces, yeah. You to, forces you to, you know, walk up to people that you already emailed with or whatever. Yeah, correct. So I'm there doing my best going table to table and I get to your table, you're in conversation. I probably just jumped right in there <laughs> and started telling you about living sport and you're really intrigued by it, asking all these right questions. And you know, you know when somebody's interested, right? In your conversation. Sure. And just your overall vibe was excellent. We probably shook hands. We probably connected on LinkedIn. And then, you know, the event was over and that be it. Well, like within the next couple of weeks, I'm recruiting mentors to travel on these two trips with us, business professionals that are able to pass along their knowledge. And, you know, our relationship at that networking event just stood out in my mind because you have such good charisma. You threw out some good vibes there. So I thought, you know, I, I wonder if, if Pete would want to join us. But at that time you were working at Comcast Spectacor. Yep, I was. And yes, and our advisory board, Living Sports Advisory Board Chair, Shane Baglini, also was working there. That's so right. like any good person, right? You reach out to who you know and say, hey, what do you know about Pete Powell? Right. Mm -hmm. So I sent Shane that text message and said, Hey, I met Pete Powell. What do you think of him? I'm thinking about him for a mentor. He like, there was no hesitation. Pete's the man. He has to come with us, I think is what he said. Very kind of Shane to say that. Yeah. Absolutely. After that, I reached out to you and said, hey, Pete, what do you think about Barcelona in August? And, you know, the rest is history. And we spent a good old 10 days in Barcelona, Spain together. We did. And it was an amazing trip. Ab absolutely amazing, Alicia. A lot of memories that obviously I can't believe were almost three years and the anniversary, right? That trip was in August or right around Labor Day, I think, three years ago. And little known fact, that was actually my first trip to Europe ever. So for me, it was all kinds of special, but getting to spend time and getting to know all the kids that were a part of that program really made it, you know, extra special for me and something that frankly I'll remember the rest of my life. So that's what you said something very interesting. That's what's so important about this. We're doing great things for these young professionals that are on the trip, but the mentors, including myself, I grow with each trip too. So it's yep. not only about it's the students, it's really the mentors that go on this trip that are there passing along their sport business knowledge are there growing as people too. It's fabulous. Oh, I can imagine. And how many total trips have you have you done now in the three years, Alicia? Yeah, we're up to 10. Wow, jeez. So, ten? yeah, yep, 10. We had five scheduled for this summer. So, unfortunately, right, that number doesn't grow as much yeah. as we wanted it to, but yeah. Sure. Well, God willing, the world goes back to normal because these trips are, you know, phenomenal. And, and I really... I really hope that, you know, you can continue this program with a new group of kids and they can have, you know, the same sort of privilege that, that we all did. For sure. All right. So I just want to thank you because officially you were one of the first living sport mentors. So if we had like plaques on a wall or something, you know, Pete Powell plaque would be up there. 
Well, I appreciate that. I'll tell you, just getting to do this podcast is, is even better than a plaque. So thank you. I'll tell you, you've been well requested by a lot of alum because you, you know, your job before this was great as well, right? You work in HR. They want to pick your mind. I know the Barcelona kids were always hitting you up where I had like, oh man, I hope he isn't getting too many emails, right? No, 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 no. That's okay. You know, I mean, you know, the number one thing, usually a college kid aspiring sports professional wants to see from an HR person is, hey, can you, can you take a look at my resume? And I know that a lot of them, you know, whether it was right after that trip or months later when they were, you know, staring down graduation and, and wanting to think about jobs. I, I think I was looking at resumes a year or two later from that group. So it, it was great. That's great. All right. So let's jump into what you currently have going on, Pete. We have so many requests to be on this podcast, like I said, because we want to learn about the esports landscape. Tell us about the company you are with and the position you hold. Sure. So I work for a company called Nerd Street Gamers. Uh, they're based right out of uh, Philadelphia, particularly uh, the Northern Liberty section of the city, um, for those that are, are familiar. And Nerd Street is basically an esports infrastructure company. And when I, what I mean by infrastructure is that we're not necessarily involved in the professional side of gaming or really a particular game or like you would have with a, like a publisher like Activision Blizzard, you know, with, with Overwatch or Call of Duty. We're actually involved in laying the groundwork. Think, think of it as we're, we're laying, you know, the highways and the bridges down across America in order for kids to be able to aspire to become professional gamers and enhance their competitive gaming experience. So I always kind of liken it to, you know, we're, we're, we got our hands on a little bit of everything, right? We're, we're spreading the chips across the table and we're uh, really investing in the events side of esports, the brick and mortar, you know, event space side of it, uh, the retail side of it, which, what we call local host, which is basically our our land centers where kids can come and actually, you know, game on very high end equipment. And then we're also, you know, trying to develop a, a media arm that we call NSG TV that creates esports content for, for both gamers and, you know, maybe non gamers alike, but things that are entertaining. So it's sort of like our version of uh, Twitch, if you're familiar with Twitch. Last but not least, we have a software platform that we're going to be rolling out which we're probably going to call the Nerd Street app. And that platform is going to tie all of those other elements that I just mentioned together. So, you know, basically our, our mission is to provide access, integrity, and opportunity to everybody, no matter where you're from, what your background is, what your financial situation is, to be able to, you know, game competitively. And, you know, if you're necessarily not good enough, like myself, to become a pro gamer, you know, still learn a lot and have fun and, and make friends. So that's Nerd Street really in a nutshell. Okay. And your position is what? And my position is chief of staff. So chief staff really means, I think it means different things to different companies, depending on, you know, where you're at, what you're doing. A lot of people, you know, think of chief of staff, they think of the president as the, you know, the guy that situates himself and is kind of like his gatekeeper. But you know, that's, that's a portion of what I do 
in terms of being sort of the face and uh, the connector for our CEO, John Fazio, and our entire executive team. But more than that, it's really a role that is very people-focused. And I say people-focused, that's both externally and internally. So from an external standpoint, again, I get to be really the sort of the ambassador of what we're doing from a public-facing standpoint. So when it comes to, you know, external interviews, obviously recruitment, being able to help, you know, do, do the types of things that help, you know, educate basically the outside world as to what we're doing. And, and I say educate because that is really what it is. There are esports, I guess, as a, as a concept and as a recreational activity is certainly, you know, caught on leaps and bounds the last few years, but you'd be surprised just how many, not to stereotype, stereotype here, but older folks still don't really know it or, or fully understand it. And then secondly, the, the people side of, of the internal is obviously, you know, managing a staff of about right now, about 45 employees, you know, and, and our immediate eight department heads that, that oversee all these teams and try to, you know, tie everything together, you know, especially when we're remote. A lot of our department heads and their teams are in their own little silos. And, and my job is to really, you know, connect the dots and make sure everybody's working off of the same page. Because in a startup environment, when we're moving a million miles an hour and now throw in, you know, a, a pandemic on top of that, a lot of things get lost in the shuffle. And that's where my role comes in to, to try to keep things on track and, and keep people focused on the bigger picture. So you guys are a startup, but you seem to be growing leaps and bounds. I mean, to have that many employees after how many years? What year was Nerd Street founded? Nerd Street was founded in 2017. So it's it's really, you know, it started up like most startups do, you know, with just a, a handful of employees and a great idea and a vision. And, you know, for that, I give credit to, to John and, and and all the folks that were part of the early stages in Hurt Street back then, because obviously without them, none of us would, would be here literally right now doing what we're doing. You know, they were able to open up a, a, the first land center on Third Street in Northern Liberties, North Third Street, aka Nerd Street. That's where our name comes from. You know, working out of that land center for the better part of, I guess, a, a, year, in, a year in change, and then opening up another facility, a bigger facility in, uh, outside of Denver in 2018, you know, the, the concept of, of what we were trying to do uh, really started to take shape. And I guess it was late in 2018, Denver had already opened when I had started talking to John. And, and believe it or not, you brought up the networking story of how you and I met. John and I met really from a networking point of view too, we were, we were both speaking at an esports conference at Temple University in April of 2018. And I was there representing Comcast Spectacore and at the time the Philadelphia Fusion, which is the Overwatch team that Comcast Spectacore owns. Uh, I was representing the Fusion along with my, my coworker Joe Marsh, and John was there obviously representing Nerd Street Gamers. So John and I had the opportunity to meet each other, sort of, I don't want to say one thing led to another because it wasn't for what, another year and a half, who would have thought that we'd reconnect. But 
know, Joe Marsh, you know, mutual friend of John and I's that day was very, you know, influential in, in helping me get to know John a little more. And lo and behold, as John was growing his team out, he decided that he needed a, an HR person to start handling all of these employees that, that uh, he was hiring. And, and I started uh, with Nerd Street in January of 19. Been there about a year and a half now. And like you said, it, Alicia, it, it really is incredible how far we've come in this amount of time. It's a testament to, to everybody. And, and I've never been around a more hard, hardworking, dedicated group of people. So networking, you would not be where you are today if it wasn't going to events. No, you're absolutely right. For, for anybody out there that is, is thinking about, you know, should I go? Should I not go? Geez, I'm tired. You know, I got, you know, I got to work in the morning. These networking types of things are invaluable in so many ways. And most of the time I find that you go there thinking you're going to hear this person speak or learn about X. And what ends up happening is you end up meeting, you know, Y and Z. And even at the time, you might not know it, like when you and I met, you, you never, you literally never know what it could lead to down the road. And obviously, I know right now, unfortunately, we can't really have networking events, which, you know, is, is, is definitely a sad thing. But you know, I've been in a part of enough now of these virtual events that take place. Everybody knows that, you know, we've, you know, done as much as we could moving them online, but rest assured, you know, it's not going to be long before we're, we're back and, and we're, we're, we're getting together in person again. And, and when you do make sure you, you make those connections, maybe you won't be shaking hands, but you know, fist bumping or whatever, but important you make those connections. For sure. Okay. So Nerd Street has a lot going on. Let me make sure I have this correct. So your national network of esports facilities, the term you used was local host. Yes. Is that correct? Local host. Okay. Local host, if I got this right, are individual places that people, gamers could go to use the high tech equipment you have to game. Yes, that is 100% correct. Um, they are, you know, like you said, brick and mortar spaces that I, I guess vary in shape and size because of all the different models that we're building with local hosts now. But in essence, they are community-based centers for, for people to game together. It's sort of like, you know, in a lot of ways when you're, you know, a kid and you want to play baseball, maybe you have aspirations of being a pro baseball player one day, you know, when you're five years old, usually what happens is mom or dad goes and signs you up for little league. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Well, the, the thing is when you're a younger kid and you're a gamer and you want to be a competitive gamer, there's no little league, there's no little league fields to go play at. And, you know, local host is essentially our, our little league fields. That's where you're going to go and you're going to not only play on this upwards of three, $4,000 PC that maybe mom and dad don't have the means to, to give you at home, but more importantly, you're also going to sort of get outside and hopefully meet other people, meet friends that might be 
of the same skill level of you playing Fortnite, or you might just have something in common because maybe you both like basketball or, or something along those lines. But the bottom line is it helps fight the stigma of what a lot of parents out there don't like about their kids playing video games, right? You picture the, the kids sitting in the basement 10 hours a day, just staring at a screen, you know, eating Cheetos or whatever. Well, now mom or dad might be a little bit more amenable to coming to a, a place that's safe, that's clean, that's fun, where their son or daughter can, can sit down and, and, and play in a tournament, maybe win a little cash prize, but most importantly, make friends or bring friends or maybe who knows, maybe mom and dad want to sit down and try playing next to them as well. You know, there's a lot of possibilities and localhost itself is, is still an evolving concept in a lot of ways where uh, we, we, we understand what the vision is, but again, it's, it's going to be based around largely, I think, what type of model that we decide to, to, to really bring to the, the forefront here. And the great thing about it is that I think right now, the, the key for us is we're trying a lot of different models within this local host concept to, to kind of see what you know, really takes shape. Our regional facilities, which are large facilities with upwards of 100 PCs, a lot of different consoles, maybe even virtual reality, those are currently in Philadelphia and Denver. And we're, we're actually building uh, new regional facilities in uh, another one in Philly. And now we're building one in, in LA as well. But when I say different models, uh, we're also working on a university model where uh, there have been some universities that have expressed interest in having these local hosts on campus as a, a place not only for the public or their students to come game, but maybe if they have an esports club or some of these schools are going to start having, you know, if they don't already, esports varsity level teams. But, you know, we have, so we have the university model and then we have the regional model. And then one of the models that uh, we're really, really excited about right now is what we're calling our, our, our retail model, which is a joint venture with Five Below. So Five Below is not only one of our investors, but they're also uh, a strategic partner because they're giving us the opportunity to build sort of mini versions of localhost adjacent to some of their actual brick and mortar stores. You know, we're not talking about a lot of space here, but if you picture, you know, your local five below at, you know, a shopping center, You'll have the, the five below, and then you'll look at the, the store with the doors out front. And then about 30, 40 feet to the right, you'll actually see localhost, uh, the sign, and a separate entrance where we'll have out, based on five below's you know, construction, they'll carve out two to 3,000 square feet for us within their store for us to put 12 PCs, a couple consoles, and actually have kids be able to come in there and, and play games. Well, you know, it's, it's a great, obviously the store in a store concept has sort of been done before, but we're really excited about it because we feel like there are so many parallels, you know, especially with the target demographics that five below is going after. Kids don't really like going to stores anymore, right? With mom and dad, it's not as fun as it used to be. 
you know, everybody, Hey mom, I want this. They go on Amazon. It's on their doorstep the next day. Five below, you know, really, really preaches the experience for kids. That's why they have all the candy out all the time when you go in there. That's why they have the toys that kids can play with. Well, this is obviously tied into that. It's, it's experiential retail. So, you know, with, when you're inside the five below store, you'll even see a sort of a portal that'll kind of allow you to go over onto the, uh, the esports land center side. And the cool thing about it is when mom and dad are shopping at five below, little Joey will be able to be 20 feet away sitting in the land center playing Fortnite for a half an hour. So it's a pretty cool concept. We're, we're going to be rolling out three pilot stores this summer. And I think it's really, it really has the ability to take off. And with a great partner like five, I, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a really good match right now. It's a brilliant concept. Everything that came through my head, like, oh, mom and dad could shop while like the, the kid is safe and sound playing video games. Awesome. Uh, Five Below is a great store. I mean, it's so much fun. Everywhere is. Up, there, there's something, you know, for somebody. <laughs> I know I get excited when I go in there. So really sure. interesting concept there. Really interesting. And something you started off saying was you said the parallel to Little League. Now, me being a business owner myself with a unique concept, sometimes in the beginning, you have to explain yourself on what it is you're doing, because yeah. like you said, some people don't understand. I think you saying that parallel, like this is the little league for gamers, that makes total sense to me. Because a lot of times, kids are put into little league, not because they like it, because it's a social aspect to meet right. other for something to do after school but what has like my brother didn't like baseball but my parents kept bringing him to baseball right now they could do something that they actually like and meet other people through it. i i love it i loved baseball but you know when i was a really little kid i was scared of getting hit by the ball i can't say especially because i wasn't the greatest base player as a kid that i always enjoyed it but what i enjoyed more than anything was going to the field and being part of a team and making friends with the other kids. And, you know, that, that was to me an experience. It was a social experience. You know, we always had, you know, something to talk about and then afterwards go out to, you know, to get pizza and whatever else. It was about community and it was about obviously friendship and obviously competition is a big part of it, but, you know, I, th I think for a lot of kids, they don't really get that face-to-face -face sort of camaraderie when you're playing a lot of these games online, um, you know, with headsets and you're just shouting at each other, you know, when you're sitting in your own houses. Uh, you know, not to say it, it's been a bad thing. I mean, I, I will say for, um, you know, the large part of the last, what, four months now, more people have been playing video games, I think, than ever before because everybody's been home and that certainly hasn't hasn't hurt our business from that standpoint and we've been very fortunate to to transition a lot of our business online which is just you know again a testament to uh, our amazing events team everybody marketing our media team has been able to produce so many online tournaments for us but we know at the end of the day as successful as these online events have been at the end of the day, we want people to come out and we want to have live events and we want people to play and, and game face to face. So 
hopefully we'll be able to get back to that soon. That's another side to this doing events. So what does an event for you in a typical sense, not online because you're saying due to COVID, you guys moved everything online. What do these events look like? You know, it's a really good question. And I have to say, Alicia, it's very difficult for me to explain what it is they look like because I honestly couldn't, I, I couldn't really think about exactly what it was before I attended any sports event. And then once I did, I realized that, man, you know, this is really exciting. I might not have any idea what's going on right now, but this is really cool. The best way I can describe it is that it's sort of like uh, a, a, a sporting event meets a concert and just combine certain elements of the two. And, and when I say combine elements of the two, I'm talking about obviously the, the competitive aspect, but also the, the show, so to speak, and the crowd. And for a lot of obviously major esports events, the pyrotechnics and the lasers and the lights and everything else that goes into them. We obviously run little smaller events than the Overwatch Grand Finals, but our events are, are, are a sight to see too. You know, from a production standpoint, uh, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes where, you know, a, a lot of our team members have put on world-class events at, frankly, world-class arenas. Uh, we have folks that have worked at the Wells Fargo Center. We have folks that have worked behind the scenes at NBC Sports Philly. And just being able to kind of put the whole experience into words is difficult. But I can tell you that most of the time, you don't necessarily need to know the game, (laughs) the ins and outs of the game to enjoy yourself because you just look around and you see the way other fans are reacting. You see how excited some of these kids get when they're doing well in the game. One of my personal favorite things is we play a lot of, you know, 4v4 games, which are basically four competitors per team and they're playing each other and they're they're sitting up on a stage and they're, they're kind of like sort of facing each other, but obviously focused in on their PC. One of my favorite moments is, you know, whenever one of those teams of four wins, like they, they, they get up out of their chairs, throw their headsets off and high five, and, and you know, they start screaming and, and, and hooting and hollering. It's, it's, it's really cool. I, I, like I said, I, it's, it's hard to describe, but my advice is just, if you haven't attended one, just, just give it a chance. I, I think you'll like what you'll see. I love it. I'm definitely there. When the time comes that these are happening again, Pete, you could count me in and maybe I'll even get like a living sport reunion. We do this all the time everywhere. So maybe we'll hit one of your spots up. I, I, I know a guy, so we can definitely make that happen for you. Absolutely. I love, We'd be happy I, to help. I love hearing that. Love hearing that. So we talked about your facilities, your events that you hold. You said you're your NSG TV. So you mm-hmm. have that going on, which was that kind of like a YouTube type following like video. Thing? Yeah. You know, it's again, I, I want to say ever evolving like our entire businesses, but NSG TV uh, really in essence was, was started because we wanted to do something to 
you know, obviously cover or produce our events that we actually we actually produced and 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 ran as Nerd Street, right? So we would run what we formerly called the National Championship Series, which were national level level amateur esports events for all different games, because we're again we're not tied to one particular game or publisher. We can essentially run whatever's hot. But we would be able to, NSG TV would be able to produce and actually stream those events live for people to watch online. And again, I, I liken it to, to Twitch. And obviously, if, if you know, anybody out there, big Twitch people will know that a lot of people love watching other people game as much as they enjoy gaming themselves. It's, it's like a, really a phenomenon. And then you have a lot of these, you know, huge, very, very popular sponsored, super wealthy streamers that really might not, you know, they're very good at what they do and, and good gamers. But the biggest thing is their personalities and they're entertaining to watch them because they're just, you know, they're made for the camera, so to speak. So we've really tried to, to develop NSG TV in a way where, yeah, we, we own our events. And so we own the, obviously the content to be able to, to stream those events live, which is, which is great. But one of the things that I think is, is really starting to sort of set us apart is our, you know, we have a top-notch media and production team that's able to produce events for much larger productions. So this past weekend, our team produced a T1 Valorant event, which actually was, was run by Riot the publisher for, for the new game Valorant, which is all the rage right now. Riot's running their own, what they call their ignition series. And we, we basically produced soup to nuts, this event this past weekend. And one of the, the coolest things about it, Ninja is one of, like I mentioned, those famous streamers. Ninja is one of the top, I'd say five most famous streamers in the world. He's a big, uh, he made his bones as a, as a Fortnite player. And basically, I mean, he's got quite the social following and has 6 million followers on, on Twitter. So anything this guy puts out there or even retweets is a big deal. Well, last week, Ninja had had an exclusive deal with another streaming company called Mixer, which is owned by Microsoft. Well, Mixer announced last week that basically, or I should say Microsoft announced that Mixer was going to be essentially no more. And with that, the deal that Mixer had with Ninja was no more. So Ninja became a free agent. <laughs> and therefore, Ninja was able to go back and actually stream on Twitch again. So of course, what was the first major event that Ninja got to stream on Twitch was our Valorant event this past weekend. So and again, I, I don't want to be misquoted here with the numbers, but we had some of our highest you know, viewership numbers, any event that we produced on Twitch or otherwise, as well as having Ninja, who again, all him and his 6 million followers on Twitter, retweet Nerd Street Gamers. It was a really big deal for us and got us all kinds of exposure and I think is, is going to continue to hopefully open up doors with, with other organizations too. It's, Six million. Yeah. That's a, that's Crazy. a really, really large number. Wow. Crazy, right? Ninja. I mean, 
He's, yeah, look him up, Google him. Uh, there's a bunch of Dr. Lupo, Ninja, there's a bunch of them. And, and they're, some of these streamers are only going to get bigger and better and develop even bigger followings as time goes on, especially as they start to play, play different games that increase in popularity. Val Valorant is just taking, taking the gaming industry by storm right now. All right, Pete. So help me out here. You're saying streamers. Is that, so that's the correct term. So not athletes or gamers. Yeah. So that's a good question. When I say streamer, I'm more or less talking about the actual talent that plays these games online and broadcasts themselves playing them online out to millions of people, right? They're, they're essentially streamers. Gamers or competitive gamers, you don't have to be a streamer in order to be a competitive gamer. Streaming is obviously something that a lot of people do because it's how you build a following. In a lot of ways, it's how you, you know, sign sponsors and, and make a lot of money in this industry. But um, we're also trying to build up, you know, really a talent pool of, of competitive gamers, which I think at its, at its heart, at its core, that's what esports is. So I saw recently, because I've been following Nerd Street Gamers ever since you got there, Pete, recently you rebranded, right? You took that kind of three out of your name. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so that was a pretty big deal. Believe it or not, that was, I want to say last September. It was right around the time we closed our, our Series A round of funding. And, you know, personally, I, I love that, our old logo. I love the N3RD. It confused people to death when you tried to say where you work because everybody was calling it, oh, instead of Nerd Street Gamers, you work for N3RD. Yeah, I know you guys. And we also had the logo of the, the skull and crossbones with the, the kind of thick frame glasses, the nerdy glasses on. We called them the Jolly Roger. We decided to do away with that and transition to something that's a little more mainstream, a little more adult. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to fight the stigma of, you know, esports as an industry. Uh, a lot of, you know, professional folks think it's a bunch of kids that, that don't know what they're doing. So Nerd Street, we're trying to be the, the adults in the room, so to speak. So we wanted an adult logo to go with it. You know, because of that, we changed the logo to something that I think is a lot more mainstream, a lot cooler. And we dropped the three or we, we now just nerd with the E. But if you look at the three, now we have the three lines that kind of look like, yeah. So it's, it's a double, as well as the street, it sort of looks like a crosswalk for, uh, for Nerd Street. So it's pretty cool. I love it. I love the story behind logos. And, you know, as a startup, like these are the things you go through, right? Like you guys are on a much bigger level than living sport. But my lesson came similar to that when the domain livingsport.com wasn't available. It cost up uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, it costs upward near three thousand dollars. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go with my second choice name for the business, which was livingthroughsport.com. So I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. The company is called Living Sport, that's what our LLC is, but livingthroughsport.com would be our domain. So my email was Alicia at livingthroughsport.com. It caused some confusion there. I mean, some I can imagine. Yeah, some people that even traveled with us, that their shirts said Living Sport on that first Barcelona and Milan trips. They were still- have mine, yep. 
Yeah, they were still saying like, oh, living through sport. And I'm like, oh man, this has to change. So, you know, you learn your lessons and sometimes you have to put out three grand to own your domain. And (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. No, I, I feel your pain, Alicia. I really do. But you know what? Living Sport, I think it was worth it. It's, it's a great name and it certainly sticks with, with me. I'm sure it resides with a lot of people. For sure. And the confusion is no more. So let me ask this. Are you a gamer? I am. However, I will say with the caveat that I thought I was a gamer and then I started working at Nerd Street. And then I realized, no, Pete, you're not a gamer. I got a firsthand glance at a lot of our team that, you know, just unbelievable with what they do, extremely talented, diverse set of skills, obviously a diverse set of games. We, we, have, we have folks on our team that it doesn't matter if you're playing Madden, you're playing Fortnite, and now you're playing Valorant. We have, you know, a lot of kids could just kick my butt. But the important thing is that I'm, like, as I, as I try been playing a lot more video games since I took this job, as you can imagine, and trying to get better every day. And and thankfully from a few of our team members that I'm sure could vouch for it, they've they've taught me they've taught me a little something. So I'm getting better. I'm sure that's something to tell your wife. Hey honey, I'm doing work. I have to try out this video game. Yep. Yep. She knows. Well it's time, honey, I'm I gotta do some some work right now, right? As I turn on my PS4. Well, I will say this. I'm not a gamer. I can't talk about my skills. But if you want to talk like Nintendo, Super Mario 3, or Sega's, uh, what was that, Sonic the Hedgehog back in the day? Yep. They, were my, they were my games. But, you know, have to practice a little bit of my skills. I would like to get into it, right? Because these gaming systems are so, so intense, realistic now that... You, I do want to be a part of it. So just to try it out, I don't have to be great, right? No, no, not at all. It's, it's fun either way. You don't, you don't have to be good. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. I can definitely recommend Rocket League is a great one to, to kind of get into at a, at a novice level because there's not much to it. it takes five to 10 minutes to kind, of, to kind of get down what you need to do. It's cross-platform, so you could play it. Whether you have a console, a PC, whatever, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, here's one coming from the sport business sector. Now, you didn't come from eSports. I did not. So in what ways did you have to adapt to this new world? Well, that's, that's a loaded one, Alicia. I, you know, it's sort of like in what ways didn't I have to adapt? Because I, I will say that as the parallels between traditional sports and eSports sort of get you know closer and closer together when i when i first started it 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 seemed like it was completely different and in a lot of ways i know a lot of people throw around oh you know esports is sort of the wild west it is right now still is but i think it's it's making a ton of headway and when i say that i mean that you know the amount of i think business people, or, or I should say, just people from, you know, traditional business backgrounds that are getting into esports now and learning the ropes and adding a whole new element to what's being built really, really speaks volumes to me. But vice versa, you know, the amount of people that have been in esports, like on our team, we've had folks that have been in 
in this industry for three, four, five years that are teaching folks like me that came from another industry and I'm learning every day. And, and frankly, uh, you know, we couldn't do it without them either. So there's a lot of give and take. The, the biggest thing that I'll say that's the, the similarity is the fact that they're both younger industries. They're both full of hustle. They are very much, it, these are not very, very far from your corporate stuff shirt type of, type of deals. If anything, I think esports might even be a little more relaxed than pro sports, which working in pro sports for 13 years, I didn't think was that possible. All right. So you are chief of staff in an HR type of position. How do these young people that are graduating with that sport management degree or business marketing related business fields, what should they be doing in their early on in, in their university days or in the start of their career to position themselves to work in esports? I think that the biggest thing that they should be thinking about is where they can sort of get a baseline knowledge for what esports is, right? And in most cases right now, you know, you're only you're only seeing esports curriculums and programs in a handful of colleges and universities. So for a lot of students, that might not be the answer. But what could be the answer is getting into and sort of pushing your school to develop an esports club. You know, for a lot of kids that are sports management majors, I think it works out perfectly because you're still getting a lot of the curriculum that you're going to need to work in esports. You're still getting, you're still taking courses in things like venue management, sponsorship sales, you know, live, live event operations you know, anything that really isn't, yeah, okay, I, I don't really know what Overwatch is, you know, that's sort of something that obviously is, you gotta, you know, you gotta go on Twitch, you gotta do your own research, right? And obviously, for a lot of kids that are already gamers, they've got that part down. But it's all the other behind the scenes stuff. And a lot of that, even though it's not fully integrated into the curriculums at colleges yet, you can still you can still try to find it, I think, in, in sports management programs. And listen, we're not too many years away from esports programs being pretty being pretty mainstream too. That's great advice there. I always like to tell students to do something unique at your school. You have all these resources, start a new club, do something, put together a team. This is the perfect opportunity. So Anybody that's listening out there, if you think that your school, you want to take that up, start an esports team or an esports club, um, let me know because we will follow you on that journey. And I think that would be really fun to tell that story. And then you can really inspire other people to do, do the same. And that's a big, big resume point on your resume when you're a young professional to start something like that. Oh, I think it would be great. And if anybody out there needs any help with that, uh, please let us know. We have a couple great university, we call them university partnerships folks that are part of our team that are working with schools every day, not just to you know sell, sell the local host concept, but to help some of these schools and, and programs actually get off the ground and, and build curriculums, build esports clubs, things like that. So please just let me know. So who should they reach out to if they would like to, you know, talk to somebody? 
Well, for right now, I mean, we have, we have two folks, a gentleman by the name of Christian Conkle and a young lady named Taryn McCarty. And both are, you know, you could find them on LinkedIn. If you have any issue connecting with them, obviously you could reach out to me, but I'd say both of them are great resources and are trying to make as many contacts in the you know, collegiate space as possible. Because again, we're building an infrastructure. Part of that infrastructure is, is colleges and universities. So by all means, please reach out. Okay, so Nerd Street has so many things going on. That must mean you have all types of different positions available. What types of positions, you know, what, what are the first ones that come to mind that people could say, hey, Nerd Street hires th these types of positions? Well, the, the, the first ones that come to mind are actually our, our general managers and our store managers for what we talked about before with these local hosts, right? So we're, we're looking to find folks as we build out and scale this company nationally. The reality is we're going to be recruiting in a lot of markets that we've never been in before. That's just the way it goes right now. And with that, we're going to be looking for folks that have maybe some somewhat of a retail background. And that could be anything from, you know, I worked at a, a, a GameStop while I was in high school or I work at a Top Golf now and when I'm in college. It can be really anything, but we're looking for people that have a customer service focused background and would be able to essentially go into one of our local hosts and help manage the day-to-day -day operations of the store. And again, we, you know, general manager, those are for our larger facilities that are anywhere from 20 to 30,000 square feet. But these five layer, you know, we're talking two to 3,000 square feet, store managers, they're going to be the point person that takes ownership for these spaces. So those are the biggest roles that I think we're in the need of right now. And along with that, again, keeping with the theme of expansion, you know, we're also looking for, for, for sales folks, particularly business development. We don't have traditional inside sales. So it's not like you're doing the cold calling thing and smiling and dialing and all of that. These are roles that are largely focused on relationship-based, long-term relationship building. And, you know, again, like anything else, we're, we say it all the time, we're not just building a company, we're, we're trying to build an industry here. So the folks that we're looking for are going to be obviously well-versed in gaming, but they're going to be willing to help educate universities, corporations, you name it on what this crazy world of esports is and and how we could help them and and the biggest thing i'll just say alicia it's really really important to be as agile and be able to pivot in as many ways as possible because this is essentially at our core we are still a startup we're all wearing a lot of hats and i mean you need to be able to transition very quickly in what's becoming not just a you know, crazy industry, but just look at the last three months. I mean, we were, we were a live events company and now three months later, we're running 95% of those events online. So you never know what's going to be coming at you, but you got to be able to roll with the punches. Closing here. I would love to ask you, we have some questions from alumni, but let's do it rapid fire. So just sure. whatever comes to mind, just, you know, a couple word answers here. So Nick Baxter from Alani team, says, how does somebody make a career change from working in food and beverage to esports? 
Nick, I'd say the, the easiest way there is to, obviously you can go to the retail side and think about like a concept like local hosts, customer service focused. But the biggest thing on food and Bev is that's just a matter of time where that's going to be coming into some of these facilities. It's just a matter of time. Um, we've already had discussions with some, you know, vendors, obviously when you throw in the concept of having a bar and alcohol, there's all kinds of crazy things you got to worry about, but it's just a matter of time before food and Bev takes shape in some of these centers. Okay. Jenna Lucier from Athens 19 asks, how does the esport industry address or monitor screen time for athletes so they play in a healthy manner in regards to exposure to electronics? Wow, that's a good one. I'd say that the biggest thing that we try to do is focus on the fact that at an early, you know, these are habits you got to adopt at an early age to obviously not have kids sitting in front of screens for 10 hours at a time. And, you know, the perfect example I can give is our local host camps which is a totally new vertical that we're just starting to get off the ground, but we're trying to develop these sort of summer camps for young kids to get into, obviously not just improving the rocket league game, but also getting them into more healthy, healthy gaming habits. And those habits include, yeah, not sitting down in the chair for 10 hours at a time in front of the screen. Those habits include our camps, getting outside, doing a physical activity. Remember that the sun is shining outside. Kids still need to have that sort of exercise. And then the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to the health and nutrition aspect, serving healthy lunches, making sure that obviously you're getting up, you're getting out, you're being active and you're eating right. Um, all things that I will say, if you look at the highest level pro gamers now, some of these kids have nutritionists. Some of them have sleep doctors. I mean, it, the whole health and wellness thing is so vast right now when it comes to gaming, and it's only going to continue to get to, 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 to be greater. So just keep that in mind. Okay, last question here it comes from somebody we already named in this podcast, chair of the Living Sport Advisory Board, Shane Baglini asks, what were some of your favorite Barcelona tapas? <laughs> Well, that's a good one. I, you know what? I, I, Shane, I love the tapas in Barcelona. I, I believe at one point we called them tap, tapas and napas because we'd also have a little wine too, right? But yeah, no, I, I had, uh, gosh, you could go right on down the line. I loved the, the I guess they, it was like a, fr a fried mozzarella type of thing they had over there. That was unbelievable. The seafood. Paella. Thank you. Love the paella. And, you know, it didn't look that appetizing, but it tasted amazing. And I guess, you know, the only other thing I love the churro churros, right? Yeah. They yeah. were over there too. Yeah. No, I, I did great. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty plain eater as I think Shane remembers, but even I expanded my horizons in, in Barca. So if I remember correctly, you did not like olives. Is that correct? Hated olives. Me yeah. too. And why I remember that is because myself, you, and Bobby did not like olives and they were left for shame because in restaurants, they would always bring out olives as like, you know, the, the starter. So Shane had these nice bowl of olives all to himself. I remember Shane loved the olives. Yes. I love the olive garden, but I can do without olives. So yeah, all for you, Shane.
All right. Well, that is what we have for you on the Living Sport Podcast, Pew Powell. Always a pleasure talking with you. This was so informative. And, you know, as time goes by and everything progresses with Nerd Street, would love to have you back and just talk about how things are going and how you as a company are progressing. Oh, Alicia, it was my pleasure. I was so happy to be here. And we will absolutely do this again, both Nerd Street and Living Sport. It's got a great, great relationship. We will certainly keep you guys posted. And again, I'm serious. When we're running live events again, you just let us know. We'll be happy to have you. We are there. Thanks so much, Pete. Thank you, Alicia. My name is Pete Powell, and I am Living Sport. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. If you're interested to learn more, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.